0: Welcome to the Intertail Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be discussing extended reality in online teaching. My name's Carl, and I'm joined by my fellow learning technologists, Ellis and Yousef. Hi guys. Hi guys. Hi. Hello. So I think probably a good place to start is for us to explain a little bit about what extended reality is um, and the components that make that up. Um, so extended reality is an umbrella term for virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality. Um, And, yeah, I wondered maybe one of you want to take us through what those different terms mean.
1: Yeah, I can do that. Um, So the difference between all of them is that it's basically it's almost like adding different elements to the reality that we experience with our eyes and the things that are around us. So virtual reality is one of the things that comes under extended reality. And what virtual reality basically is, is completely immersive experience where you as the user are completely removed from your everyday reality. So often what you'll find is when people wear headsets Mm-hmm. And it kind of fits into their sight, their hearing. Or if you're really advanced, you wear like those gloves and stuff like that. It might even affect your other senses. But what it does is it almost takes you out of your body and into a virtual body where you experience a completely virtual reality. The next one, which is a step down, is called augmented reality. And what augmented reality basically does is it brings digital elements into your physical space and it will often do that through a screen. Or it could even be through tools like Google Smart Glasses or anything like that. A really good example of this was uh, if any of you guys played Pokemon Go. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. I think that's when a lot of people were able to get a lot of walking in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Try, trying to catch Pikachu and then you suddenly realize you're in the wrong part of town. <laughs> 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 um, not saying that happened, that wasn't a cry foul. don't worry. But the idea <laughs> is, is that through your phone, you're able to kind of see things outside your reality. But you've also got businesses that have been taking full advantage of this. Um, I think it was you, Cor, who, who told me about Ikea and the way yes. that they were using in their app that you could um, you could check out furniture and how it would look in your space before you purchased it.
0: Yes, it's so good. <laughs> it's so useful. There's a few um, kind of home companies actually that I've seen that you just download their app, pick the piece of furniture and then you can display it in your room so you can see exactly mm. what it looks like. And I think, you know, companies, and I mean, we know that gamers and gaming, the gaming industry are sort of leading in all of these fields mm. but certainly i've noticed recently businesses um are really really using some of these things to well essentially to sell to sell and to sell their products
1: no that's that's exactly it because i think what it does is is it allows you to be able to visualize how things would look like in your physical space as you're looking at it through the screen um, we even used it i think in some of the teaching in, in the training that we were doing where you could bring things like cells and um biological structures Mm. into your physical. So if you're, you're telling somebody about the cell membrane or anything like that, rather than just kind of describing it to them, you could ask them actually, well, look at it through your phone. And you can actually start revolving it and playing around with it and everything like that. But um, yeah, that that's what augmented reality is. And and the final one is is mixed reality. And as the name suggests, mixed, it's a mixture of virtual reality and augmented reality. So it combines the two where you might be part out of body, but also bringing digital elements into your real experience, basically depending on the task that that you're kind of doing. And I think a really good example of that, if anybody's seen the Iron Man movies, when he's working with uh with his version of jarvis at least anyway where he's kind of figuring things out and he has those digital screens that are kind of yeah. <laughs> using his hands that that that's the level we're trying to get to but don't worry you don't have to worry about bringing that into your classroom
0: <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> yeah i think uh, the thing about mixed reality is it focuses on interaction hmm. so it's where augmented reality you might see something in your space like you know we're talking about the furniture um, but you're not interacting with that; you're just seeing it in your physical space. Mm. Whereas the mixed reality wants to focus more exactly what you just said. Like the Iron Man is a great example because he's actually interacting with the things in his digital space. Mm. So I think um, that's yeah a bit more focus on interaction.
1: Yeah, but I mean, all of them have that, that commonality where it allows us to go beyond our senses of what we can see or hear, right? Right in the now.
2: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And if it's okay for me to jump in, I don't even know if I was introduced in this episode, but I'm tab. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I just ambushed the the podcast episode. But I was going to say another film reference would be like like Minority Report, right? Where there's um, he's got that kind of screen where he's he's controlling it physically in the physical space, but it's controlling kind of digital content in the digital space. And there's actually something called the Microsoft HoloLens. Um, Mm. Have any of you seen that one? no yeah so that's they they actually um came and did a demonstration uh somewhere i was working previously and and what what it is is it's kind of like a headset that has a it has like a visor on it so you know how virtual reality headset is kind of closed so you can't see out of it yeah so the hololens is like that but it's but but it's got it's got a visor that's transparent instead so you're looking through like a, a layer of sort of glass um and it's What you see is you can see your real environment in front of you, but you can see holograms kind of projected onto the environment. So they demonstrated it. They put a chair in the middle of the room and they gave us the headset. And then when you put the headset on, you could see a person sitting in that chair and like talking to you and stuff. And you could walk up to it and you could walk around the chair and you could see the person from all different angles. And so it was actually like a really interesting kind of mixed reality um, experience.
0: Yeah, That sounds really interesting. I've seen something similar used um, for kind of corporate training. Um, so it's the same sort of thing that um, you're putting on the headset and you're seeing someone in front of you, but in your space and you're having a discu- discussion with, say, like a employee or a colleague and it's you've got to choose options of what you're going to see and you're seeing their actual reaction um, in that space. And I think that's quite a an interesting use of it isn't it to kind of be able to see physical people as well um, in your space and and reflect on that
2: yeah, yeah definitely
0: so is anyone else do you, any of the rest of you have had any experiences with virtual reality augmented reality um mixed reality anything like that
3: um yeah i do one of the previous places i worked at uh implemented this to assist with their induction um, and sort of open evenings um, so we actually uh, sort of similar to qr codes but instead of qr codes that we use pictures um, and we connected videos to them and we had a host of ipads and students or prospective students could come up and scan the picture with an ipad that would then play them a video and it was to showcase the different things they might have learned on some of the courses that we were offering so for example one of the pictures was um, a salon and then it would link to a video of some of the things that the hair and beauty students might get up to or one was a picture of the blackpool tower and it would take you um it actually took you into the blackpool tower and discuss some of the things that our travel and tourism students would get up to so it's just an innovative way instead of having a teacher or a student stood at the front going, this is what I learned on this course and it was really good because they could actually see it in real time and see some of the things that they would engage with on the course in a subtly different way.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really brilliant example. And I think it's it just shows you that it doesn't have to be complicated, because I think when people imagine, you know, when people say virtual reality, or augmented reality or any of these things, people go to that extreme you know, they go to the Iron Man thought, don't they? They go into like the high, high tech um, and people panic and think, how could I possibly use that in my teaching? But actually, there's really, really simple ways. Um, and you mentioned QR codes there. Um, I don't know if anyone wants to expand on that.
2: Well, um, I used to live in mainland China for quite a long time and uh, QR codes are used for everything there. So, I mean, <laughs> it's it's just like, uh, you know, it's like this kind of barcode looking thing that you can scan with your smartphone camera. But um, in in mainland China, we use it for um, almost everything. So it's paying for things, for example. So not only if you go into say a shopping mall, you could could go up and if you want to buy a product, you can just scan the product's uh, QR code and then you can just pay directly with your um, online payment system that's integrated with your social media. And you can just pay directly uh, from WeChat, which is the app that they use. And um, that seems kind of a little bit science fiction. But when it got really science fiction for me was when I was walking down like a just like this kind of back alley uh, in the middle of nowhere. And (laughs) there was this old lady with uh, a blanket on the ground and she was selling these vegetables from her garden. So she'd grown these vegetables in her garden and i and i was like oh actually yeah i could do with some vegetables for dinner so i was picking some vegetables and uh when i chosen the ones i wanted i was ready to get the cash out of my pocket and she just holds up a piece of cardboard with like a printed qr code that had just been kind of you know glued onto this piece of cardboard um and yeah i just scanned the qr code and i paid with my wechat <laughs> that's brilliant this woman yeah who's was just selling vegetables it was just amazing that is
0: that's brilliant i think it's 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 such a good example because, you know, it's it's a really kind of simple, easy way and to connect people and to connect your students. And, you know, when we're working online, we're working with people all over the world, different Internet speeds, different time zones, all that kind of thing. So I think um, it's a good example of the way it can be very easily used to um, connect
2: something or put something together. Yeah. And I think particularly the way people embrace it. Right. Because yeah. um, because you wouldn't expect someone like that to necessarily have enough experience or knowledge of these things. You know, obviously, we don't want to judge a book by its cover or anything, but it just shows that it can be a very accessible thing um, that anyone can use. And bringing it back to the kind of learning, um, you can do all kinds of things with them. So I once organised a scavenger hunt um around Mm. a university campus and use the qr code so i'd made posters around the campus with qr codes and and the students ran around with their smartphones and they would scan the qr code and it would give them clues that they had to solve um in order to kind of you know get these clues solve the solve the puzzles and then they kind of get a prize if they can complete the whole scavenger hunt
0: yeah, that yeah, that's a great example. I think, and you can easily mirror that online as well, can't you? You can, um, you know, publish the QR codes in um, a quiz, for example, or on pages in your VLE, or um, put it up if you're sharing your screen as part of your live lesson and get the students to go off and do something different and interact with their physical space. I think it's something that we we talk about a lot, um, and we've we've done a couple of training sessions on getting learners away from the screen when they're working online. And I think this is a really good way to do that is to get people to interact with their physical space um, by including elements like this as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So does anyone have any other examples of the types of tools that teachers might use? So we've talked about QR codes. Is there anything else that anyone can think of that's a good tool you can use to implement um, this kind of teaching?
2: I think Google Translate is a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really simple. So just if you have the Google Translate app on your phone, um, it has, it has a, um, a camera icon on it. And if you press the camera, you can take a picture of anything. And if there's text in the picture, it can read the text and it can translate it into any other language. So um, this is another thing that I've used, uh, getting students to be familiar with the library and the library coding systems. So I got them to have to kind of, again, it was like a scavenger hunt kind of thing, but they had to go around the library and find particular books that were in different languages and then find a particular phrase on a particular page and then translate it using the Google Translate app um, and bring back the, you know, the translated version of it. And that's something you could do online as well right you could get direct people to websites and the you know the websites might also have information about um you know things that they need for their subject knowledge but you could get them to translate it um from another language into english for example or or vice versa Mm.
0: yeah definitely and i think actually google has a really fantastic suite of tools that you can use There are a few other things that I think are useful that people could use. And one that I've used before um, is really kind of simple, but um, is Paint 3D. Mm. So it's kind of, it's not something you would really automatically think of, but if you've got um, kind of the latest version of Windows on your computer, you should have Paint 3D. If you don't, you can download it. But you just search for Paint 3D on your computer um, search bar. And it should come up and you can select from um, a host of 3D images that they already have. Um, and there's lots of different things in there. I think you mentioned earlier, you Yusuf, we'd done training before and we used it to look at a human cell. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that they already had built in. Um, and again, you can just pull up on your screen, you can move it around your screen um, you can zoom into certain areas and it's a sort of 3D image of that particular thing and then you can also send that file so you can save it and send it to your students when they open it it will also open in their space um and on their camera in 3d and sort of in their reality as well so that's quite a good kind of simple tool um
1: no definitely and i think it makes itself usable for certain subjects like the sciences for example it, it would be um the the use case and the utility side of it becomes slightly more obvious. But as with the majority of these tools, and even going back to the story that Tad told of the that, that woman in China, where she was selling her vegetables with the QR code, is that given any of these tools, it's always based on what is it that you as the teacher or you as the human need to be able to do in that particular sense. And does it make sense mm-hmm. at that point to extend reality? So for her to be able to take payment it made complete sense to use a, a tool like a QR code to be able to allow it to kind of tap into digital banking so that she could stay cashless while selling vegetables on a random back road to to, to tap. And in this instance here, that if you're going to be talking about cell formation or cell structure and stuff like that, a tool like 3D Paint becomes very, very useful.
3: Um, I was just going to say, I think one of the really good things about Paint 3D um, is sort of the ability to... Um, interact with things that maybe you otherwise wouldn't be able to interact with so Mm -hmm. you know the idea of a cell I can't I can't pick that up and turn it around and get a good look at it but I can in paint 3d and um, for someone specifically who struggles with kind of rotating things in their head and I'm not very good at sort of thinking about how things look from different angles and whatnot. It's a really innovative way to to engage that part of my learning that I often struggle with um and I think it builds on on other skills and not just necessarily the the content of the learning that you're aiming to take place, but sort of the warm and fluffies that go around that as well.
0: yeah, yeah, I think that that's exactly right, and it's um you know I think that that's ultimately what it is it's providing access to materials and learning that you may not have otherwise had access to and i think as you said the context and and how you use it and what you use it for is really really important and i think that's all we have time for for part one of this podcast we are going to be um doing a second podcast um to continue this conversation because there's just so much for us to talk about so hopefully you'll join us for part two um and thank you for joining us today